Hey, this episode is sponsored by the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Enjoy. Hi, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Today is Lynn Hoyman. Lynn has always had a keen interest in the supernatural, paranormal, death, and dying in the afterlife. Lynn believes that there is much more around us than we can perceive physically, and through this, she has gained an insight into the workings of the energy that surround us all. She uses this insight as an integral part of her readings and healings. I've asked Lynn to join me today to talk about imaginary friends, house clearings, and spirit removal. Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about where your spiritual journey began? Sure, I've been interested in the spirit world uh, since I was a kid. Uh, My parents were both from UK, so my mum in particular had a lot of ghost stories that she loved to tell us when we were little. And I would just relish them. I would lap them up and think, wow, that is just so amazing. Um, I felt my first ghost when I was about seven years old. I was outside hanging out with one of my friends and she said, hey, do you know there's a ghost that lives in the house up the road from you? And I said, no. She said, well, let's go up and see it. I said, okay, let's go. Great. Apparently she knew the the people that lived there. Sorry. (laughs) And um, so we went up there and the lady was lovely. We said, hi, we've come to visit your ghost. And she said, oh, great, come on in, girls. You know, as you do, quite blasé. She told us to stand in the hallway and we both stood there and she said, you'll just feel him coming down the hallway and it'll get cold and you might get like goosebumps and feel a bit prickly. So we're both standing there and... um, Absolutely, I felt it felt like something went right through the middle of me and I was cold to the bone. And I felt like it, I felt quite prickly all over. And um, from that moment on, I was hooked. My friend said, Well, let's get the hell out of here. And I'm like, No, let's wait and talk to him. So, you know, I was, you know, so excited about it all. And she was freaking out because she didn't think it was really real. So, and that was kind of how I got, you know, how I got interested in it. How I started was probably in um, 2000, I did a Reiki course and I found that in doing the energy work, it really opened me up and I started seeing more and feeling more and, and you know, when I was doing the healings, information was starting to come through. So that was in 2000, I think that really started to open me up to what else was out there and and how to connect in with that energy. You know, it's almost like people have a connection with the spirit world with their younger. It almost doesn't ruin it for them when they're an adult. You know, (laughs) it's it's almost as though when you're an adult, it's scary or you can block yourself in some way. I think it's the, as we're adults, we have these preconceived ideas of what it's like and how it should be, or, or even, you know, particularly we ghosts and stuff what that's what that's like and we have fear based around that and we can block ourselves too whereas when we're kids it's like oh wow what was that and and you tend to just hey that was cool and and go with the flow with whatever's happening at the time so kids are far more open um, than what we are and and they say that kids from when they're born to about seven years old are very tapped into the other dimensions the other realms the um, the energy that's actually around them here in this dimension because they're still, you know, they've just come in, they're still open to it all and um, yeah, and it's sort of normal for them. It's not until we're about, you know, six or seven when people say, oh, that's not true and that's not real and, and that sort of thing that they start go, they start shutting that down. So, yeah, it's interesting. I did have that as a question for you, actually, you know, about why children see spirit more easily than adults. Mm. I guess, you know, they're not sort of tainted yet. Like, no, that's not true. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just like, oh, wow, what's that? I mean, they're still curious and investigating everything. So, And they don't have that, well, that's that's not real in, in, you know, this time space. They're, they're open to it. So, yeah, they see a lot more. Yeah. 
So I do want to talk to you a little bit about that, about how you can communicate, mm -hmm. you know, in a safe way with your child in a way that it's not freaking you out. And also in a way that the child doesn't feel like there's something wrong with them. Yeah, sure. But before that, uh, you sort of segued into it really well there. You know, I would like to talk to you a little bit about the subject of imaginary friends. Yes. And I know that you're an author as well. And you wrote the book, Sophia and the Spirits. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what was the inspiration behind that? Absolutely. So Sophia and the Spirits, it, it's, it's actually a, a fictional book, but it's based on all my granddaughter's experiences with spirit. Um, it's more like a, um, a tool for those who are having similar experiences. And what it does is it goes through the different types of spirits. So we start with Sophia being quite open. We talk about deceased loved ones who are, uh, you know, family members who love us and they've crossed over and they come back to visit. It feels lovely when they come back to visit. <clears throat> excuse me they have beautiful energies and then it goes on to um, the earthbound spirits or ghosts as we know them and they're the ones who have had a human life and they've died and they haven't crossed over into the light they're the ones that um, energetically they feel the same as when they died so if they died in sudden or traumatic uh, a sudden or traumatic way or if they were ill or or if they were upset and confused that's what you feel when they're around. Um, the energy is quite heavy and they do tend to drain our energy when they're around. So there's a section in the book about, you know, who they are, but in actually how to help them move on into the light. Then it goes on into um, monsters is what the kids will call it, but that's like an entity. That's like a being who hasn't had a human experience um, and this may freak a lot of people out. They're generally quite negative, um, but you know, they're everywhere. They're, they're, there's quite a lot around. Um, having said that, they're easy to remove as well, if you know how to do it. The techniques are in the book as well. And then it goes on to the imaginary friends. Now, when I say imaginary friends, I, I generally think, particularly with kids, they're talking to their spirit guides or their deceased loved ones, nine times out of 10. Um, I believe we all have spirit guides and they are beings who have come, they, they know our life plan, they know why we're here, they've chatted to us before this incarnation and they've said, we're going to keep you on track. And that's exactly what they do. They guide us. You know, they don't tell you what to do. They're just around. They have this beautiful, loving energy. Um, they can look like people. Um, they can look like, you know, from a past time period. They can look like... Um, bubbles of light, they can look like pillars of light. Um, you may just see colour or energy around you um, and they, they make you fit, they, they feel fantastic. And, and with imaginary friends, you also have, um, uh, you know, your um, spirit, your animal totems. And Sophia, my granddaughter, has a lovely animal spirit totem, which is a unicorn, which she calls Twinkle Toes. And Twinkle Toes used to come and have tea parties with her, um, read books with her when she was riding her bike. You know, Twinkle Toes would be running along beside her. And um, so, you know, they, they, they are around us. The kids can see them. Generally, the parents can't. That's why they're imaginary. Um, but, you know, the kids are all over it. But I, I guess it's confusing for the kids um, when they're saying, oh, you know, uh, so-and-so's here with me. And the parents are going, uh, no, they're not. What are you talking about? There's no one there. And that's, <clears throat> I think that's what starts kids off with going, oh, hang on, that's not real. And that's when they, you know, start that shutting down process. So you talked a little bit about how the book is based on the experiences that your granddaughter had. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. can you share to me, uh, share with me, you know, a little bit about how those experiences first started showing up? I mean, you did mention that, you know, she was talking to them, but I guess mm -hmm. having a grandmother like you probably set her, you know, apart in a way because she was able to have somebody that really nurtured that and maybe had that conversation with her that she felt she didn't need to be afraid of, it's okay. of a reaction. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, how did that start showing itself? We noticed when she was a baby, um, you know, everyone says, you know, babies can't see and babies don't know what's going on around them. You watch a baby very carefully and they will look at you and then they raise their eyes up and they'll go 
and they'll also almost make like a half moon that they'll, they'll watch behind you. That's your spirit guides. That's the people that are with you. And they are brighter, they're full of light. So they look at you and they go, no, you're okay. But oh, these guys look amazing. Um, so she would, she was doing that from a very early age. Look, I, I would say all babies do. Um, I, I guess with Sophia, I nurtured it. Um, if she would say, <clears throat> or if she would show signs that something was in her room, like before she could talk, if she was in her cot and standing up and crying, but looking over in the corner and you know, being quite upset, I would say, okay, there's someone there, baby, that's okay, that's okay. And I, I would just move them on if I could see, if, if I knew who was there. Um, but, you know, just acknowledge. I think the big thing is, is in the acknowledgement. If they say something or they're showing those signs as to it's okay, no matter what it is, it doesn't matter if you can see it or not. Sometimes I won't see the spirits, but I can definitely feel it. And I think most parents would feel if they walked into room, it, it felt really good if it was a loved one or a guide or it felt quite oppressive and, and terrifying if it's something not nice. I mean, most people will feel that. You don't have to see it, you know. It's, it's nurturing whatever's coming up um, for them. So how do you know, you know, or are there cases when maybe children are talking to themselves absolutely there really is an imaginary friend you know because there might be a listener at home going so my child talks to themselves all the time how do i know whether or not you know they're just a very you know outgoing child or whether or not there's actually something else happening that's a little bit more magical okay have a have a listen to what they're saying if it sounds like if they're having breaks and it's almost if they're, if they're kind of cocking their head, if it looks like they're listening, there's probably someone else with them. If they're just talking or more, or more babbling and they don't look up, if they're not kind of aware of anything around them that they're just talking, they're probably just talking to themselves. And look, hey, we all do that. Well, I do anyway. Um, but, you know, if they're stopping, if they're looking, if it feels like a one-sided conversation, um, you know, Sophia would have a tea party and she would be pouring the tea and she'd say, and she would look and she'd keep looking at the same spot, you know what I mean? And, and she'd pour the tea and she goes, is that, is that how much you would like or something along those lines? And then she'd pour the tea and then she'd stop and, and wait for a response. That's kind of indicative of, oh, they're actually talking to someone, you know what I mean? Especially if they're looking, especially if they're one-on-one uh, -on -one contact. Um, I remember my sister had a lot of imaginary friends when she was a kid and she would hold their hands and literally walk along like this. She would talk to them and have that one-sided conversation um, to the point where we would have to set out three extra dinner plates at the table every night for her imaginary friends. But mum was really good in the respect that she just let her go with that. Um, She's, she doesn't use those talents anymore, but she was very open and aware when she was a child. But you could mm. see her having those one-sided conversations. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. How old is Sophia now? And does she still have these connections? Sophia's six now, so she started school. Um, she still gets a sense of when they're around, but I find it's not happening as much as what she used to when she was younger. And it may mm -hmm. be... Um, she doesn't live with me anymore. She's going to school. Um, some of the other kids have given her a hard time because um, she said, you know, I, I can see, you know, there's a spirit. And they go, oh, there's no such thing as that, et cetera, et cetera. And she was quite upset one day. She'd come home in tears and she said, Nanny, the kids at school are saying that the spirits aren't real. And I said, but you know they are. So it, so it is difficult, you know, when you're trying to open up to your friends and that if they can't see them, you you will tend to shut that down and she's she's still quite aware but not as open as what she was mm -hmm. so how do you have that conversation with her do you you know how do you explain to a child that there's this whole other world that many people don't believe is real number one and can't tune into I mean how do you broach that conversation? I mean, she's seeing it and sensing it and being affected by it. And I think the big thing is, you know, they're being affected by it. You have to have that conversation. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the way I did it was nanny understands. And, and even if, like I say, I couldn't see them, I'd say I can understand 
You can see or you can feel things that are around you. And that's okay. There's lots of things around and some people will, you know, see it and, and some people won't. But just because other people can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. So it's kind of like also going along the lines of trusting what you are perceiving and knowing that it's yeah. okay no matter what anyone else says. It's it's okay. It's not a bad thing. Because a yeah. lot of I, I've spoken to a lot of adults actually who have had experiences as a child and they've been told that they're wrong, they're, they're, they're not seeing those things, there's something wrong with them and they were made to feel really terrible to the point where they, you know, really shut down and then they open up later on in life and, and there's that fear and terror of, oh, my God, I'm going to be put into a mental institution now because I can't do that. Everyone's told me that that's you know wrong and it's bad and, and it's not bad it's it's just different I mean we all have yeah. different hair color we all have different colored skin you know it, it's just another one of those quirky little things that makes us different you know one of the underlining themes that I notice in the conversations that I'm having with people is it really just comes down to trust Absolutely. You know, not second guessing it. And obviously, as you practice these things, you know, more and more that, you know, you know, more and more to rely on yourself, I suppose. But yeah, trust is a, is a big one. So what kind it's of massive? Yeah. What kind of information can children share from the other side? In your experience? What have you found they've been able to, to say or deliver? Oh, my gosh. I, ha I have a lovely story about my granddaughter. Um, we were up at my sister's place. Um, my sister lost her husband when Sophia was 18 months old. So Sophia never knew Peter. And um, we were up at my sister's place and she has three children that were playing. Sophia was there and there was uh, my other sister's kids there. So there was, you know, six of them sitting there and they're playing. And Sophia suddenly looks up at the stairway and she could see Peter. And when she was looking at him, now at this stage she was probably about three, so this is you know, couple of, almost a couple of years after he died. He was dancing on the stairs and, and doing a jig. And that, that's so my brother-in-law. He was cheeky, naughty, and he'd do anything to make you laugh. So he's on the staircase dancing. And she's looking at him and looking at the kids and looking at him, looking at the kids, and she goes, Peter, Peter's up there. And everyone's looking at her going, what? Because she wouldn't remember it was Peter, you know what I mean? So the kids are looking at her going, we can't see him. So, of course, they come and got me and my sister Debbie. And um, we, we walked in onto the stairs and, and I was holding Sophia in my arms and I could feel him there. I, could, I thought, yeah, you're so here. And I said, what's happening? She goes, Peter, dancing. And... Um, and I said, is he? She says, yeah, laughing. He's laughing lots. And I thought, that's just, he's just saying, you're having a family gathering and I'm part of it and I'm getting in on it. And, and we, you know, I could sense him there. I could feel him there. I knew he was there and I knew he was excited about being there. And for my sister, it was so good. She, she was actually going through a bit of a hard time at that point. And to just hear that he was still there, still involved, still around the kids and the family, uh, it it really made her day. Do you know what I mean? So it, it was such a special moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, that it was gave lovely. me goosebumps when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's one of the amazing, ooh, it's one of the most amazing things, you know, to get that validation or confirmation that, you know, our loved yeah. ones are still with us, that they're okay, that they're still participating in activities. Definitely. They love the family do's and they love to turn up and, and it's nice when someone sees them and acknowledges them and yeah, it's like they're still part of the family. You just can't see them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But maybe yeah. if you tune in, you can feel them. But I'm sure Absolutely. that there are many people who would feel it and go, oh, that's in my imagination. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing. And what I tell people is, you know, they say, oh, it's just my imagination. And I say, well, where else are they going to connect with you? Yeah, they have to come in somewhere. And that and that's a great tool to use. It, it feels like you're making it up, but it's it's their like pathway into your mind to say, hey, I'm here. Yeah, 
you know, that's our creative side. That's where we're very open and attuned to this kind of energy. So when people say it's our imagination. I go, great, you're spot on. Yeah. Trust in that. Yeah. There's the trusting again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny though, because we're raised, you know, to believe that our imagination is just our imagination. But, mm. you know, whenever you think about anything, you know, as far as manifestation goes, right? You have to imagine it first. You imagine it. Exactly. And then it comes through. It starts there in that energy field and then it comes through. You can't just, it's not, doesn't just turn up. It's yeah. got to come through somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you recommend to a parent uh, who is maybe still getting used to this concept? I would imagine if they're listening to this episode that they're somewhat familiar with these principles. However, you never know. You know, mm. how would you recommend that a parent supports their child's, you know, growth and development in this world? I would say the big thing is to trust what the kids are saying and not get freaked out because no matter what happens, no matter what comes up, no matter what energy is in that space, you always have the power to do something about it. And, and I think most of us aren't aware of how powerful we really are. We have so much light in us and, and it doesn't matter how dark a being is that comes into your space. I always look at it like if you walk into a dark room, you can turn on the light. You can't walk into a room like this full of sun and turn on the dark, can you? That gives you an indication of the power that we hold. So I would say, first of all, trust what your child is saying. And just acknowledge it's okay. It's okay that whatever you're seeing, it's real. It's real for them. Even if it's not real for you, it's real for them. And then depending on what type of being there's, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful beings out there that come and connect with us all the time. And, you know, most kids are connected in with these beings. It's not all scary ones. Um, you know, it's, well, what are they saying? What are they doing? How does that make you feel? Are you happy about that, you know? And, and get them to have a conversation about it. Allow them to feel in a safe space enough to go, okay, this is okay. I can continue with this. I can allow this to be real in my world. Sometimes it would be easy for a parent. Okay, so I feel like sometimes as an adult, we have a lot of baggage from horror movies and scary movies and oh, yeah. things like that. So we... I can't speak for everybody. So I'll just say that for me, I've had to work through and am working through, you know, not allowing my imagination funny enough, yes, but absolutely. to work itself into something, you know, that's actually not real. So, you know, I think that, you know, kind of like you said, creating a safe zone. So do you think that maybe even if your child is doing this, maybe taking a deep breath and just remembering that, you know, you are this beautiful light being and that, you know, Absolutely. you are safe and it's almost the intention is going to be enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because as, as you know, intention is such a powerful tool that we have. So, you know, if your intention is, oh my gosh, everything's bad. You, you're going to pull that stuff into your space. Whereas, if your intention is, okay, so my kids see spirits. All right, well, what sort of beautiful spirits are out there and who are they connecting with? It changes the whole thing, you know? Yeah, and how amazing that they might be able to convey messages from those who you know who have passed on. That, you know, what a gift. Absolutely. Yeah, what a Absolutely. gift. Absolutely. And connecting with their guides. I mean, your guides know why you're here and what you want to do in your life as a soul. And like I say, they keep you on that best path. And, and all you have to do is listen to the, that feels right for me and that doesn't. And that's what guides will do. If it feels right, go that way. If yeah. it doesn't, don't. Kids are really in tune with that. You know, they don't want to do something, they'll let you know. But if it feels good for them, they there's no problems in, mm -hmm. in trying that or doing that. And it's just, yeah, that's what we don't tend to do is, that feels really good for me, but hang on, society tells me or, or this person tells me or whatever tells me I need to do this. And we're totally cut off from that, you know, that that higher source, that how that, that information that guides us in life and makes life so much easier. Yes. Do you think that's <laughs> almost the battle of, you know, the heart versus the head? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And at the end of the day, the heart's the clever one. Yeah. The head's not. The head, the ego part of us is 100% not psychic and wouldn't have a clue what's really right for us and what's not because it's basing its judgments on past things, what other people are doing, what society rules are, whereas your heart goes, do you know what, that's what I want to do in this lifetime and that's what's right for me. And I, I really believe if you follow that, mm-hmm. you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. You, you really can't go wrong. You're in that beautiful energy and it just keeps flowing. Mm-hmm. The more you listen and, and take action, the more awesome life becomes. Yeah. I read <laughs> on the weekend the book, The Moses Code. Have you read that? All right. I haven't read that one. Oh, no. it's fabulous. It's fabulous. It's a lot about manifestation and, uh, but connecting with your higher self. So it's not, mm. you know, the first part of it is a more, is sort of more focused on, I guess, manifesting kind of egoic type things, things. Yeah. But then, yeah, and things. then there's this break in the book and the author basically says, if you wish to continue, you know, know that mm-hmm. nothing will be the same after you wish, after you continue through this book, or you can just stop and do what, you know, we've taught you up to this point. And, yeah. you know, obviously I, I'm like, Ooh, what's coming up next? You know? So I, so I got to keep yeah, reading. Exactly. So, you know, I read into it, but I, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there was a lot of conversations in that book about the ego and the ego's mm. fear of death. And oh yeah. Yeah. And it's almost as though, I'm still figuring out what I think about the ego and, you know, taking a lot of the teachings that I've learned and processing them, you know, cause it's a, it feels yeah. sometimes a bit complicated to be honest, but I, you know, I think that as soon as you, as you start to honor who you truly are more, your egoic tendencies tend to dwindle. And that's okay. one of the challenges is because the ego almost knows that the more you get connected to things that aren't, tangible um you know the ego slowly is no longer needed and dies out and so there's this fear of you know wanting to latch on to things that aren't important for your higher good and absolutely that's how it works and and I tell people uh because I I teach uh psychic development and when we're going through that you know people get so scared of doing it wrong or scared of you know not being right or whatever whatever and I say okay that's just your ego Tell your ego to have it, have a sit, have a nice cup of tea, go and sit in the corner and, and put your feet up and we'll get back to you in a minute. And it's just a way of saying, do you know what, ego? I know you exist. Let's just have a relax, sit you in the corner. Then you can get on with the, you know, connecting with those, um, the real energy, your, your soul's energy. And um, we need an ego to be here, I think, to live on the physical plane. But we don't let it drive. Mm-hmm. It's like giving, um, say, my granddaughter the keys to my car. You know, she'd love to do it and she'd be telling everyone what to do and get out the way and, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. She can't drive nuts, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's true. You know, the ego is great, but it's don't let it drive. Yeah. Don't let it have control of you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. In that book, it was... It was really interesting because they were talking basically about how when you want to create, you know, talking about manifestation, but really it was about, you know, the better, uh, the best quality of life sort of thing. When you actually yearn for something bigger. So for example, peace or unconditional love or enlightenment or whatever, everything else actually falls right into place when your desire is higher than the than the superficial and yeah it's yeah it really does and when you start playing around with that and things start happening and falling into place like oh my gosh you know it's like wow it really works yeah yeah so cool it's nice to be in that different energy yeah and again coming down to trusting and knowing so on that note you know I want to get into the conversation now of house clearing and spirit removal I would like mm-hmm. to know if you have any tips or tricks for people to know whether or not how they or sorry, let me rephrase. So how do people know whether or not they actually have a spirit in their home? And if it's a spirit exactly. that needs to be removed, I mean, do you going back to the feeling and knowing and trusting, do you just kind of know something's there or not? Generally? Yeah. And, and what I've noticed is, Um, Because people are more open and more people are opening up to, you know, their own energies, 
people are more sensitive to what's in their space and the stuff they could live with and not be bothered about before all of a sudden they they can't deal with it it's got to be out of their space so one is you can feel it you know when you walk into a place and sometimes um <clears throat> you know um say you go to stonehenge the energy there feels amazing say you go to uh, a concentration camp most 99% you know, of people will feel the difference between Stonehenge and a concentration camp. It feels heavy, it feels oppressive, you feel revolting. Um, they, they're extreme cases, but you can feel those kind of energies in your home or in your office or in your friend's home, you know, mm -hmm. wherever you're going. Um, so you can feel it. You can also um, hear it. A lot of people hear doors opening and shutting. Um, they hear footsteps. It's generally at night because why? We're more aware at night and it's quieter. So, <laughs> you know. Um, I want to share a quick story. So, mm -hmm. and you know, so I'm, I'm open-minded. I've been on my spiritual journey for a long time. So I, I'm at the point now where I, I trust everything I feel. I just know. So I went to yeah. a hotel a while ago and I got checked into a room and it had been, um, the person who booked the hotel room for me had upgraded me and everything. Right. So I go into this, this room, it was actually a townhouse kind of thing. And I walked mm -hmm. in and all I could feel was freaked out. And there was nothing wrong with the room, right? When you looked at it, it was it's just body senses. <laughs> yes. It was beautiful. It was clean. It was, you know, there was a cool loft. You know, it was everything that I wanted, actually. But it mm -hmm. freaked me out. Except for that vibe. There was something that was wrong. And I I, you know, you go in and it's kind of a weird thing to change hotel rooms once you've been checked in, especially, you know, so, yeah. and it was late at night and I just kept thinking, well, do I really need to, you know, change? And I walked up and I, I just went, I cannot stay here. I would rather stay on a park bench than be in this room. Mm -hmm. any longer. So I left and I went to the the, you know, the front. And I basically said that I couldn't stay in the room. I felt uncomfortable. And I'm sure the person who heard me say that thought this woman is batty. But, you know, I, I needed to listen to that. And then they That's said... It's worth it. You trusted your instincts. Yeah, yeah. And I knew there was no way I could have stayed in that room. And so after, uh, you know, I got moved to another room, a couple days later, I told my friend who is the spirit worker, and she basically said, well, when you feel comfortable, you really should consider sending those beings to the light because... Yeah. They need to be moved on. So I know we're going to talk about that a little bit um, in a few minutes yeah. here. I just wanted to relay that, you know, I know what you mean when you feel, you yeah, feel absolutely overwhelming feeling of whatever it may be. And it's good you mentioned that because the hotel room looked beautiful. It was clean. Like you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, run down or derelict to have a spirit in it. You know, it, it can be a beautiful space and it still doesn't feel right. Yeah. No. So going back to hearing things. So sometimes when I've heard things in the past, I just go, it's in my imagination. <laughs> Do you now? That's interesting. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, you know, the spiritual journey, it's a process. I'll just say that I, I had some it big changes happen in the last week and a half. So it's all good. I'm getting a little bit more cool things. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you do hear things. And so like you were saying, the doors shutting or things. Yeah. Being Absolutely. And look, the other thing is sometimes people will hear their name being called out, but sometimes they will hear a voice inside their head. It's still the same process because that's how spirit can connect with you is, you know, you'll hear it with your physical ears or you'll hear it in your head. So that's probably good you know, that you brought that up with the imagination because you can, and it can be your voice in your head just to doubly confuse you. But sometimes it's an easy way. Spirit, you know, if you think about it, particularly the higher vibrational beings, their vibe's quite high and our vibe's, you know, we're three-dimensional. We're, we're kind of down here somewhere compared to them. So when we want to connect, when we want to have a connection with them, communication with them, we have to raise our vibration up they have to bring these down so that we can meet in the middle and they will use any means they can to make that communication i.e they will use your imagination and they can use your voice 
It's just something that they do. It's easier for them to do that. I mean, a lot of people say to me, well, why doesn't my mum just turn up in front of me? I said, number one, you'd probably crap yourself, (laughs) you know, and number two, it takes so much energy for them to get down into this level. But to actually materialise in this level and have a conversation, it's just, you know, it's really, really difficult to do. So meet them halfway and trust what comes through. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a bit of a funny story I just remembered. So I was yeah. at my um, my aunt my partner's aunt's house a couple months ago, yeah. and I'm sitting on the couch and no one is home, right? Uh-huh. And I am the dog is sitting beside me, and all of a sudden, with my physical ears, I hear dog like you know the nails, you know, when a dog. So it's that tick 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 kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. walking along yeah, yeah. the floor, and it's for a, a fleeting moment. And I thought to myself was that in my going back was that in my imagination or did I actually hear that but at the same time I was having that thought the dog jumped off the couch to went and went Mm. to investigate but there was no one there nothing there and later on I said hey um do you have a did you have a dog that passed you know I asked her and she said said, oh yeah oh yeah I said okay I heard I heard their foot you know their clickety clack on the uh on the floor and you know I'm sure most people, when I say things, I'm sure you've had experiences too, Lynn. They just go, oh, oh that's very lovely, but they don't actually know what to think of you saying that. <laughs> yeah. No, I moved into a house. Um, I moved into a house a few years ago um, and it was when my granddaughter was quite little, quite little and she lived with me. And we had a ghost cat that lived there. And, you know, before my granddaughter was there, it was fine. You would feel it literally jump on the bed and, it, you know, had cats walk in a circle and, and they get comfortable and they walk around and then they do that, you know, little thing with yeah. their paws. We do that on my bed every night. And I think, oh, that's a bit cute. So I, I didn't move it on. I thought, oh, it's cute. And people would come to visit and it would literally rub up against their legs and go, oh, you've got a kitty. And they look down and they go, where'd the cat go? And I go, oh, I don't actually have one. And they go, oh, and I go, oh, no, it's okay. It's a little ghost cat, but it, it's very cute. It's all good. But I had to move it on when my granddaughter was born because it used to love her and it would jump into her cot and wake her up at night and she would start crying. And I said, oh, sorry, Kitty, you're going to have to go. So, yeah, but the other thing on that is um, if you've got pets in your home, pets are so much more sensitive than what we are. So if your dog or cat starts barking or meowing at something on the wall and you're looking at it going, there's nothing there, or if they're following something, around the room or they or they just get up and run away you've probably got something in your home because they are so aware when spirits are around you they they just uh they know before you do so watch your pets if your pets are giving indications um they're they're not wrong (laughs) how do spirits get into your house in the first place do they travel with you do they travel around are they part of the house there's, there's, there's a few different reasons. Um, one is they've actually, <clears throat> excuse me, died in the house and they might really love the house, so they may stay there. Um, the other is uh, they followed you home. So I don't want people to freak out at this. Look, there are spirits um, around, quite a, quite a few spirits around. And I'll just explain why. I think in Western society, we're not actually taught how to die. And it's kind of something that's, rushed under the carpet and and left and it's like you know we try and get people to be better 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 and then all of a sudden we kind of don't really want to know about it and we don't really teach our kids about it and when people die sometimes we don't even let kids go to the funeral to you know have their closure so I think in this society um you know and I do work in a hospice and and I've seen it firsthand if so many people are scared of dying they don't know what to do when they die so they get stuck and um, which, which is really sad. So uh, one, I think there's a lot of spirits around because we're not so good at dealing with death. The other thing is uh, once they become stuck, um, when a spirit is looking around, now I'll mention a few places where there are quite a few spirits hanging out. The reason why they hang out in these places is because um, they need to use our energy to keep themselves going. Otherwise, they do kind of tend to fade um, quite a bit. So shopping centres. I know not a lot of people freak out about it. Generally, they don't 
just go, hey, you, I'll follow you home. Do you know what I mean? But they are around there because there's a lot of energy. Hospitals, absolute classic. Um, but also things like, you know, uh, big shows, theatres, um, where there's a lot of energy, you'll see a lot of spirits because they're, they're feeding like we eat. They, they are feeding on that energy. Now, having said that, don't freak out too much um, because when the spirits are around, when they're looking at people, most of us just look like shadows, unless you've got abilities, like a lot of our kids. They're the ones that look like a beautiful, bright light. So what do the spirits do? Oh, that's pretty. I might go with them. Not all the time, but sometimes on some level, I believe that the spirits think this person can help me on some level. They may not know it consciously, but they may just follow you home. They may know that you'll have a, you've got a gift or they may know that you're going to call someone to clear them all away or that you have tools and techniques to do that. But they tend to you know, follow people home in that way. Um, so they do, if you've got sort of um, those abilities and, and they see the light, they can follow you home. There's a difference between following you, following you home and being in your space and actually attaching into your energy because that's another thing that spirits can do. And that can happen um, when your aura's quite weak. So it doesn't generally happen. Most of us have beautiful, bright, strong auras. We have that to keep us energy safe protected but if you um, are doing uh, drugs or, or heavy alcohol that can weaken your aura if you've had a traumatic event if you've had if you're grieving that's that can weaken your aura if you've um, had surgery and, and they cut into you that weakens your aura so there's a few different ways of um, you know, having your aura open and exposed and then the spirits wanting to literally attach into your energy. And then instead of just being in your house, they're with you wherever you go. The thing with that is, um, and, and a few people I, I go and see have this, is your energy is depleted all the time and you don't know why. So you start to feel tired, you get fatigued, then you start getting sick, you go to the doctor, the doctor has no idea what's going on you start to isolate yourself from people and look this I'm talking this is you know a long time over a long period of time you know years etc but it's a process of where they're taking all your energy and you don't have enough for yourself so there's a couple of ways in which they can they're either coming home with you or they can get actually attached into your energy yes so I'm sure there might be a few people listening to this that 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 might concern them so yeah absolutely yeah. so are there some ways that you know some tips or tricks just on the subject of that maybe uh, on the subject of a uh, spirit attaching to you or if you if you notice oh mm -hmm. i'm you know some of the signs and symptoms that you were talking about i can connect with that do you have any things yeah. that they can do right now to give them some comfort and then maybe some long-term stuff that they can look into Absolutely. So um, the thing I do, uh, look, always try and keep your energy high. So that's meditating. That's a clean diet. That's looking after yourself, exercising, you know, doing all those things that make you feel good. It strengthens your aura. It really does. If you feel you've got something attached into your energy, um, the best way to remove attachments is I obviously I work with angels. My business is angel speak. Um, so I like to work with angels and archangels um, the first person who's my go-to would be archangel michael and the kids love working with archangel michael now archangel michael is a protector archangel he has a shield he has a sword i like to call him a bit kick-ass because he has a team of warrior warrior angels with him and look, i tell you the kids pick him up and work with him really really well if you think you've got something attached to you Ask Archangel Michael to come in and to cut that cord of attachment. He comes in with his sword. He literally cuts that cord. Ask him to seal your aura and then see how you feel after that. Using crystals is a great way to keep your aura clean once you've done that. So crystals, and particularly the clear ones and the black ones. So the clear ones will give you clarity of what's around. The black ones will give you that protection. Um, you know, there's other things you can use. The Australian bushflower essences are quite good for cleansing your aura. 
Um, and also you just saying, hey, this is my space. Um, you're not welcome here anymore. And, and, you know, ask those angels to go away. If you're not affiliated with angels, uh, connecting with your higher self and soul, connecting with your guys, connecting to who you feel affiliated with. You know what I mean? Like some people like Buddha, some people like Green Tara, Mother Mary, and, you know, there's all sorts of ascended masters and beings out there. Some might like the extraterrestrials. Who are you affiliated with? I always ask that because we all have different mm. belief systems. You know, and what will work for one person won't work for another. I love the angels, but other people like to use other beings to help them. It's in the asking, I find. It's in if you think you've got something around you, you ask higher beings. And I always connect with my team first. So that's my higher self and soul, number one. And then I just ask my guides to come in. Number one, get them to come in around you and then ask to have the you know, being removed from you. But call in who you feel affiliated with. It works, but you've got to ask in the first place. Yeah, you've got to ask. And uh, one of the things that I also yeah. do is I I have this mantra that's basically that I'm full of light and love. And I Absolutely. use that. And I actually, I remember one time years and years ago, uh, I was having a nightmare and there was a spirit, a bat, like a negative shadow spirit in that uh -huh. and in my dream I was able to work it out I basically was like I'm full of light and love and I I, I was able to kind of absolutely go. and if you just practice you you train your subconscious to almost say these things all the time so you just I'm full of yeah. light and love it's almost as though you distract yourself with these mantras and it's so simple yeah. isn't yeah. it and it's the simple things that work, I find. Yeah. Another thing is people can use prayers. Yeah. You know, I find the Lord's Prayer, I, I'm not religious, but I find the Lord's Prayer is such a powerful prayer to use when moving on energies. It works. I don't know how it works, but it yeah. works. It's, it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's your intention is to intention. let it go and not to absolutely. To yeah, so that's cool. Mm. So, uh, and white sage as well would be another one. Do you ever use white sage? Yeah, but what, I, what I say to people is a lot of people try and clear their homes and they'll find it's okay for a couple of weeks and then the energies are back. And I say to people, sage is great. Don't get me wrong. It's great for clearing the energies. Mm -hmm. But if you've got an entity or an earthbound spirit that doesn't want to go, what will happen is it can make it dopey for a couple of weeks. So you don't really notice it for a couple of weeks, ah. but then it kind of comes back with a vengeance. So it's good to actually remove the entities energies from your space mm -hmm. then use sage sage will work fantastic for keeping them out and keeping your space clear and any energies that are released from you or your family whatever it keeps that space clear yeah. but you know if, if those entities or, or, or earthbound spirits ghosts etc don't want to leave um sage sometimes won't work in that regard it's you've got to do other things to get rid of them and that's why yeah. you also have a job in this area my friend <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I have to say, I am quite busy at the moment. There's a lot going on. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to get to that in a minute. But I just wanted to ask the question of, yeah, should all spirits be removed? You mentioned moving the cat on because it was essentially interfering with somebody's sleep pattern. Yes. You know, but yes. I mean, what about, you know, the example where you said that Peter was around? It, it would yeah. Peter be someone that you know, he was able to come from spirit and make an appearance or was he always around? Because you wouldn't want to remove your loved one unless it was for their highest good. But yeah. how would you know? And, and look, that that's a great question. Um, if it's your loved ones that have come in to see you, they make you feel good and they give you energy. The ones that need to be removed are the ones I call earthbound spirits or ghosts. And they're the ones that draw on your energy. You can't live with them in your home because like I say after a while it is detrimental to your health and it's not good for them they're stuck on the lower uh, fourth um, dimension so like the astral plane and you know when we die we're supposed to go to the fifth dimension and above depending on where frequencies are when we pass um, you know this this lower fourth dimension it's kind of like no man's land for these people and you know just think you wouldn't want your loved ones or yourself to be there so you know so, some people have said to me oh i have a little girl here and she's stark and she's quite cute and we want to keep her and it's like well, she's not a pet yeah. 
she's human you know and she's that's her soul that's her spirit and it needs to join you know yeah. and go to where she needs to be yeah. so um yeah if their energies feel low if your energies are drained because they're there if you don't know who they are um it's it's probably a ghost or an earthbound spirit i, I, I like to use the two those two terms interchangeably mm -hmm. um they need to go on to the light. Whereas the ones that have come back, they feel amazing. They can stay there all day. It's yeah. not a problem at all. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and it's nice to have your loved ones around, like I say. It just makes everyone feel good. One of the things that I thought about a while ago, which made me feel better, um, you know, just for somebody who might be feeling uncomfortable with this idea, mm -hmm. it's exactly what you said. These were people and Mm. I, I feel that if you think about it like that, you don't think about it like a horror movie. <laughs> you think about it as Absolutely. though it's a person or a little, a, yeah. you know, a girl like you were talking about there. And yeah, I feel that when I kind of took the time to think about it in that way, what I actually felt was overwhelming compassion instead of fear. Yeah. So that might also help. Changes it. Yeah. And it's like, how many people do we meet every day? You know, and you know, there's good, bad, and indifferent people. Yeah. But you, you know, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be necessarily scared of everyone that you meet. I mean, if that's a great way to look at it, is mm -hmm. they're just people. Yeah. They just don't have the physical body anymore, but you know, they still have their personality intact and and who they are and what they were like. So mm -hmm. yeah. So what's the process of removing a spirit from someone's house? And do you have to be there? I don't have to be there. I, all the work that I do, I actually can do remotely, which um, is really good because I have clients all over Australia and, and all over the world now. So uh, it's keeping me busy. Um, so because you're working with energy, um, you don't have to be in that space, that location. It's with energy, you're connected in with it straight away. Um, I never do this work without connecting, like I said, with my team first. And I always create, I like to use vortexes of white light around me, around the space, around the people to keep that space clear while I'm working in that energy. I never just walk in and start going, right, you need to go, blah, blah, blah. I think that would be detrimental to my health and that would open me up to probably being psychically attacked. Um, so I like to call in my team to look after me and create that space of light before you even start. Um, when I start, I have a certain process that I go through and that's using my team in a certain way. I, because I do Reiki, I, I'll put Reiki symbols everywhere. Um, I'll connect in with certain beings and I ask certain beings to do certain things. So um, Michael is one of them to cut cords of attachment and get them to move. Um, beings on. Um, I go through prayers. I go through, I go, it's quite a long process that I go through, but I, I do teach that as well. And if I come to your house, I, I say, if you want to stand with me, because I generally spend most of my time in one room and I, I create the space and I bring everything into that space, I move it on, and then I walk around the house and just spray the bush fire essence. And there's two things that I move on. There are the entities which are the you know the non-human um forms of energy that are around They're, they can be quite intelligent they come in all different shapes and sizes from uh you know microscopic to 60 foot high and there's everything between you know how we have um you know i just see loved ones and guides and angels and ascended masters and they all sort of archangels they all go up in sort of a, an upward frequency you have the same we live in a polar planet, so you have the same going down. So you have, you know, the naughty, mischievous um, entities all the way down to the demonic. Now, everyone's heard of the demonic, but can I say there's not many demonic entities around that I've personally come across. Mm. I'm sure some people, that's their thing, and they'll come across them all the time. But for me, they're more the, they're negative, they're, they can be a pain in the butt, and they're driving you nuts at home, and they're draining your energy. And what they do is they feed off your energy. So if you're lying in bed and you see a dark shadow, which what my granddaughter used to see all the time, um, you know, in the corner of her room, and she would call it a monster and, and she would scream. And you know that terror where you can't see and you literally, my daughter would pick her up and she'll be clawing past my daughter going, monster, monster, and trying to get out of the room. When my daughter went into her room, um, you could feel that, that terror, that, that fear in there. 
what these beings do is they get you to have that fear and then they feed off it. So obviously I went in there, I would call in Archangel Michael and I'd ask him to shift and move the entity. It, you know, it works. Just because it's in there and it's really scary doesn't mean you can't get rid of it. And that's what I like to say to people. It doesn't matter what's in your house. You can always remove it. You can always get rid of these beings. Um, so, uh, and, and with that particular time with Sophia, we did uh, go through the process and we removed the entity. She was happy. She went back into her room. Oh, all gone. Got back into bed and she was fine. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So. It wasn't an ongoing thing where she was terrified and, and wouldn't sleep in that room anymore. Right. It was just at that time when she woke up, it was like, oh, my God, get me mm -hmm. out. A lot of kids wake with, you know, people sometimes call them night terrors and, and people do have night terrors, but sometimes it's caused by just something in the room. So, yeah, so like I say, there's there's a big gamut of the negative spirits. Um, there's not so many that are demonic. I, I think I'd like people to know that, yeah. not to get freaked out think of the movies and go, oh, my God, it's in my house, that's it, what do I yeah. do? Um, so, yeah, um, you can always remove them. How did you learn this stuff, Lynn? I don't know. It's kind of, I've, I've been doing this for 20 years now, so, you know, it's just kind of, I, I've just yeah. gathered stuff as I've gone. Look, my guides have a lot of information. I've got information from different teachers I'm around the planet, that sort of thing. And I've just kind of put everything together and gone, do you know what, this works, I'm going to do this. And, you know, even, you know, here's my process that I do now. I still get guided, you know, sometimes I go to a house and I go, hey, try this. And I go, all right then. So, you know, it, it's ongoing. It's, it's always developing and, yeah. Yeah, like lifelong learning. And you can tell that you have a real passion yes. for it. I mean, when you're talking, you're so beautiful and animated you can tell that it's something that you just, you know, you're really, you really love. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely love it. I think I'm so blessed because I get to do what I love and, and this is, you know, my work. Yeah. So win -win. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And you're helping people because I'm sure that many people, you know, can go on to have the best life possible when they've been cleared of you know, this sort of energy and yeah, these things that shouldn't be there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what motivates me is, is seeing the difference between these people and, and seeing them claim their space back and go, do you know what? My house is safe again. And, um, you know, that's, but that's also one of the reasons why I wrote the book, um, Sophia and the Spirits, because I found when I first started doing this is there's no resources out there to give to people. It was, it, you know, there's, there's nothing you can say, oh, just look this person up or just do this, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I wrote the book and when I go and do clearings now, I say, you know, particularly if they've got kids, I say, you know, did you want to have a look at this? And, and there's tools and techniques in it because it's, it's basic. It's for kids, but it helps the adults too going, oh, okay, that's how you do that. So, yeah, I, I found it, it was, it's a needed resource at this time yeah where can people get the book i'll put a link to it in the show notes yeah i just on my website um www.angelspeak.com.au that's great okay in the shop there yeah all right well we're at our hour now believe it or not i always say this but oh, it's amazing wow. how time flies when you're just having a good a good old chat it sure does <laughs> um but i know you're yeah like you mentioned your website's angelspeak.com.au you can do these yep. remote you know clearings and such uh from you know anywhere in the world which is awesome because we would yep. have international listeners me being from canada and all and uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> yes. uh, but thank you so much for being with me today. Do, is, is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to mention? It's such a huge subject. Yeah. I, you know, I could talk all day. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think we covered kind of the basics that'll give people an idea of the different types of spirits and how to manage them. If, if your kid or even yourself are having some, you know, uh, difficulties at home or ex experiencing some of these it's like okay I think I've got some tools and techniques I can use now so that's always good yeah exactly yeah. and just remember that you are in power and like you said before if you are finding yourself in a situation where you feel worried or scared asking your spirit team or asking your higher team your higher self and whoever else you're definitely almost, I, when you were saying that I thought yeah you're building you know your own little light army kind of thing you know you can, you can choose who Absolutely. it is that you connect to 
and, you know, bring them yep. in and ask for help. And just remember that, you know, as long as you remi- remind yourself you're full of love and light, you know, like Lynn said, yep. you can get rid of anything. So that's the point. Absolutely. Yeah. We have the power at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's also when you bring those, you know, your, your spirit beings in to help you, you can feel that energy all around you. And it's almost like, right, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's nice working with them. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's mm. beautiful. Well, thank you for your time. I'll put the link to your Facebook, your Instagram, your website, and your email as well if people want to get in touch. And you can get uh, Lynn's book as well on, um, you know, Sophia and the Spirits on her website, but I'll put the links for you there. And I'll also add some links into the show notes for a really powerful meditation that um, we had on the show before with angels and also some other, other meditation apps, which can really help you to connect with them. Um, so yes keep the vibe high that's right keep the vibe high exactly (laughs) thank you awesome thank you so much hi thanks so much for listening to the episode if you enjoyed it please leave us a review where you get your podcasts and be sure to share it with your friends thanks